Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing tonight? Well, Dan, without tipping things off too much, I can say that on Sunday night, I watched four hours of Extreme Rules, and at, at 11 o'clock at night, I looked in the mirror, and I saw an Extreme Fool. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have some, uh, some stuff to talk about, uh, although... We are going to get into the negative that was, uh, well, in our opinions, that was the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. There was some good uh, since the last episode we recorded. Uh, we had two, and I mean both, anybody who has not seen them, two phenomenal AEW shows. You had the uh, in-ring debut of Brian Danielson and his 30-minute draw with Kenny Omega, which, uh, and, and I hate to say it, um, because you know my opinion on Kenny Omega, that is the best match I've seen him have in 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 since he's been in North America. His some of his work in Japan is different, um, but Brian Danielson and and you can tell and correct me if I'm wrong, Benny, you could tell who called that match because that was that was a Brian Danielson, that was an American Dragon match, that wasn't Kenny Omega with the goofy foot and the faces. And 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 it looked his stuff looked good. You can tell the spots were set up. It was two guys who knew what they were doing, um, kind of like a uh, kind of like an a modern day Arn Anderson or Ricky Steamboat. It really seems like Daniel Ryan can get a five star match out of anybody. I really think you know AEW hit a grand slam by by signing Brian Danielson because he just brings that credibility. Like you said, you know that's instant credibility. A, a thirty minute stellar match with Kenny Omega who. Takes a lot of lot of rap for not being you know not being on point and right. he ra- he raised his game up to match uh, Danielson's Ra- raised his game and more importantly as champion Daniel Bryan's or excuse me Brian Danielson sorry force of habit how many years he's been around Brian Danielson came in and went a, a Broadway with your champion I mean you don't really you can't book someone stronger than that because obviously you don't want to throw the title on him day one. Um, you have a lot more story to tell with heel Omega and what they're doing with the elite and all that. But to, to have him come in and go toe to toe with who you've booked as your best performer, bet, well, maybe not best performer, but best talent, uh, really booked him strong. He looked better than he has in, in a long time. And uh, speaking of looking good, there were some other highlights. You had uh, Ruby Soho's debut match. Well, I guess um, not counting the Battle Royal, her debut singles match. Uh, against Britt Baker, that was a phenomenal women's match. The a- and if you remember the first year, maybe year and a half that AEW existed, their biggest weakness publicly was the women's division. And now they have arguably one of the best women's divisions uh, in a long time. You you put up talent after talent, uh, especially the the fact that they've been able to share talent with like uh, with 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 uh, both the NWA and TNA bringing in like Thunder Rosa and some of the other phenomenal talents that have come from other areas. It's, it's incredible. I know you're a huge fan of hers. Yeah. She, again, instant credibility. You bring in a Thunder Rosa, she's going to get a good match event out of anybody. Exactly. And I liked the, the debut of, of Ruby Soho in the casino battle Royal coming down to her and Thunder Rosa as the final two, because you could have seen it going either way. And it's just two, two amazing talents. You had some good, a good, 
matches there. Um, but moving to uh, obviously the other night, you had uh, also a, another CM Punk match, his first uh, TV match in years following his debut at the pay-per-view against Darby Allen. He was hot for the crowd was hot. He popped. I mean, you had uh, Punk, Danielson and Adam Cole. Some of the best young talent, well, young being a relative term, but some of the best fresh talent that AEW has. But more importantly, I, you, we talk about looking good. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see the tag match with uh, Darby Allen and Sting against FTR? No, I did not, but I, I heard I, about it. Yeah, I suggest you watch that. And anyone listening, please go watch that. Do You had uh, FTR, I mean, we said it before on the show, is the best tag team in wrestling today, probably going back 20 years maybe more, um, just pure. I mean, they're, they're the brain busters and the heart foundation. They're, they're just anybody they get in the ring with, they make it look good. It looks seamless. It looks real and they can carry. And, and it's the fundamentals of tag teams. It's the, the dividing the ring in half. It's the hope spots. It's the hot tags. It's not any of the fancy, crazy stuff where, you know, you, you have tag team guys doing just ridiculous stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, timeout. Um, but they wrestled the, the team of Sting and Darby Allen. And they that match, Sting carried a bulk of it. I get the storyline they were going for there. Um, but that's, that's the best he's looked in years. I mean, his early days of TNA, fresh off the WCW when he was still like like I want to say younger Sting, but he was was hopping then some of his early matches with like Joe and and AJ Styles, but it's probably that's 15 years probably the best he's looked better than he looked obviously in the WWE, better than he looked in his later runs. Um, they just phenomenal how. I mean, we said it before on the show. You get some guys could could wrestle a broom handle and make it look phenomenal. I think you and I, with with no training whatsoever, could probably go have a good match with FTR. Like they are incredible. I yeah, mean, of course, should, yeah. If you and I were to step in the ring, I, I'd want to. You know, we 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 both know what school we'd have to go to first. But oh yeah, so, absolutely. Yes, I mean, the BWC so, Boogie's Wrestling hey, Camp, absolutely. Hey, and you know what? You mentioned, um, you know, uh. You're correct if I'm wrong. You're 66. Yes. Yeah. Sting is 62. I was just going to say, people, we're talking about a 60 plus year old man. This people forget that he, yeah, okay. You see him wrestling. You think some of the older remember, remember some of the runs of the older talents, maybe Flair, Steamboat, Piper, these guys that were in their 50s and still looked relatively good, you know, for what they were. Um, it's like, okay, I buy Sting being in his early 50s. He look. He's clearly older. He's you know the hairline and and his his you know physique isn't '90s Sting, but when you have, I mean, you you cannot believe watching that match. He is 62. That is, but one that's a testament to him and his conditioning because there are some wrestlers that are 42 that look look 100, and it's also a testament to FTR at playing up to the caliber. I even though they lost, spoiler alert. I don't think they look weak or bad getting beat by a 62-year-old man and someone the size of Darby Allen because they were able to elevate that that aura. It's like the some of the some of the later matches in WWE of people losing to the Undertaker. You know, yeah, he was old and he was clearly not in his prime, but he was the Undertaker, so it didn't matter. Right. You know, or if you think to some of the later shows 
um, on the indie scenes, when you hear stories about like um, like Hogan, uh, his his last match, I think it was with uh, I want to say it was Paul White, actually, where he was the, the, the that little tidbit of trivia where he's the last person to take the leg drop and or, you know, one of the many retirements that Terry Funk has had. And you watch these matches and you're like, you know, you, you get that aura. Yeah. OK, the indie guy or whoever he's wrestling, the younger guy lost to the veteran, but you elevate that status so it doesn't hurt. Just the fact that you're talking this passionately about a tag team match, and that's kind of one of these things that, I mean, tag team wrestling was was like the, the lifeblood of wrestling for years and years, and it's kind of taken a back seat in the last 10 years, so it's nice that it might be making a resurgence. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, it's funny you talk about that because there was, I'm trying to remember the year, um, you had a, a Survivor Series match, and it was... Uh, trying to remember now give me a i want to say it was uh, 80 87 maybe um maybe a little later but you had a 10 team match and it was famous for the uh the double turn between the powers of pain and demolition when demolition turned face um it was also, oddly enough, the, the only time in wrestling history that Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were on the same team as the Hart Foundation and, and the Rockers were on the same team. But you had Demolition and the Powers of Pain and the Rockers and the Rougeos and the Hart Foundation. You had 20 men in that in that ring and seven or eight of those teams are believable champions. Nowadays... Nine times out of ten, when you hear about a tag title, it's two wrestlers that get thrown together for storyline purposes, and you very rarely have tag teams. I mean, as as much credit as I want to give to someone like, say, the New Day, who kind of brought the Freebird rule back and brought really some notoriety to the tag team division, they were champions for that record when they broke Demolition's record for championships. But part of the reason they were champions for so long is because they spent half that title reign is the only credible tag team in WWE's entire roster. You know, back in the day, there was no stigma attached to, you know, to being a tag team wrestler, you know, Crusher and Bruiser, uh, Bockwinkle and Stevens. I mean, all four of those guys were absolute legends in their own right as singles wrestlers. Yet, you know, they they didn't take a hit by by forming a tag team. Where nowadays it's almost like it's it seems like a demotion if they throw somebody in a tag team. Right, like uh, you know, as as entertaining as they are, and they're the current champions. You know, the RK Bros on Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton and and Riddle. Oh, I almost said Matt Riddle. Riddle. Um, you know, I get the storyline they're going for, and their matches are fun. But that Randy Orton was heavyweight champion what a year and a half ago, and now he's right. in a tag team with a goofball. You know, you're right. Sometimes being in a tag team feels like a demotion, but well, we'll see. I mean, uh, I have a lot of hope, and I really think you you don't want to you don't want to get jump the gun, and you don't want to push that button too hard. But I, I AEW is nothing but on fire right now. Both both ratings, both uh, uh, online. Uh, yeah, I really see if they can keep building that foothold uh, and WWE continues the downward spiral they're on. I think AEW, I mean, yeah, they already beat they already beat NXT. 
I think they start. We start seeing weekly beatings of of Raw. Maybe not SmackDown. SmackDown's still several million, but yeah. Well, why not? AEW could be legit competition, and there are people within the WWE that are starting to acknowledge. <coughs> excuse me, starting to acknowledge that that there's something there. I mean, how great is it that we have a choice? Yeah. Well, we talked about it just last week. I think it was you said. When we talked about between AEW and WWE and the resurgence of the NWA and some of the indie feds and with Fight TV carrying everything from the NWA pay-per-views and the AEW pay-per-views to things like SWE Fury and Devotion out in Utah, um, where it's a good time to be a wrestling fan again. There's a lot out there, whether you like it or whether you whatever style you like from from the, the mat. And to the flippy stuff, there's something out there for you, and that's good to see. And there's no sin in liking it all. You don't have to choose. You can choose all of them. Wow. I, I'm sorry I, I'm for being distracted. It's Someone is, is setting fireworks off to the point where it's shaking the windows here. Oh, I thought so, that was your cat banging to get into the room. No, no. There, okay. there's, so, so for those at home, I apologize if you hear some background noise, but someone is literally setting off fireworks to the point where it is shaking the windows in the room I'm recording in. So uh, on a on a random September Wednesday, how fun. But uh, moving on, Benny, we had uh, uh, the good. Now we've got the good out of the way. Let's get to what you and I have talked about already offline uh, was the bad of wrestling. Now, not all bad. It wasn't it wasn't uh, the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen, but WWE on Sunday. Now we're recording this on a Wednesday. Um, ran the their Extreme Rules pay-per-view, full, full, top to bottom of Extreme Rules matches, and by that I mean one. So, uh, did you get a chance to catch the pre-show? I did. Yes, I okay, got to so, watch so, uh, Live and Carmella. Live and Carmella. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean, standardish ten-minute match. Liv Morgan went over as she should. Um, I love her that that springboard flatliner finisher that she does. I really like that off the ropes. Um, but what, what do they call that? The uh, the oblivion, I think she called it, or what the announcers called it. But um, I, that was actually a good match. That was it, the crowd seemed to be into it. Liv Morgan is is over. Um, it's unfortunate she seems to get these start and stop pushes. Like I kind of just I'm just waiting for the ground to be pulled out from under her again. She's in limbo until the draft. As we saw from this pay-per-view, seems like everybody is. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad pre-show. I've, I've seen worse, but it was okay. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I wish you would have had a little bit of a better opponent than Carmella. They didn't seem to work very well together. It, it wasn't really fluid. I, I thought Liv was very good. I didn't think Carmella was as good. But, you know, I, I, it was kind of more for eye candy than it was for performance. But, you know, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was a lot of – not really much of a story. They pretty much swapped high spots. But, I mean, for a pre, uh, you know, pre-show match, I could live with it. Yeah, and, and I'll admit it was – it's a shame because she was just champion not that long ago. But Carmella has really fallen by the wayside. Her and Zelina Vega seem to be in a race to see who can lose the most matches this year. Right. But, um, interestingly enough, the pre-show – had a backstage confrontation that led to a match, which opened the pay-per-view. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, Benny, 
you have the WWE champion opening a pay-per-view in a multi-man tag match that was added 45 minutes before showtime. Am I the only one that sees that as a problem? You talk about a lack of uh, a build or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, our, <laughs> our, our good friend of the show, Mike Messier, made a, a comment on, on our social media pages about, remember the good days when Hogan and Austin were champion and they would open with a tag match that no one knew was going to happen? Right. I mean, there was a point where when the belts were switched, I remember people joking about the universal title was the B title by far. And they said that there was a stretch of, I, I forget the exact amount, so I'm sure the internet will correct me on this. It was something like 13 or 14 months of pay-per-views where the universal title was not the main event, even in pay-per-views where the WWE title wasn't being defended. And now the universal title has consistently been the big, the main event, the main matches, the big builds, and the WWE title. I mean, your WWE champion wasn't on the card and got thrown into a multi-man tag match 45 minutes before the show, which now don't get me wrong. This was a fun match. It was a good match. I give it a solid B plus. Um, but you had, before we get in too far into it, you had obviously the new day, Big E reunited with Kofi and Xavier, uh, against the team of AJ Styles and Omos teaming with Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley and Big E being in a feud for the title at the moment. Um, but you had just, I mean, it was good back and forth and it's, it's interesting to see how they, how they kind of played it with, uh, La uh, big Big E hitting the big ending on Lashley to win the match. I thought for sure AJ was going to take the fall because um, now you've got Big E beating Lashley twice. Um, but it just it just killed me, and I I couldn't get over the fact that I was watching the WWE champion, a newly crowned, you should be being pushed as the best thing on the on, going on the roster right now, champion in an opening match that I didn't even know was going to happen. It, it, I actually missed, I'm not going to lie. I missed the promo where they set this match up. I had to go back and watch it later um, because I was getting ready for the, for the show. And it, it's just, it's something else. But what do you think, Benny? Yeah, I, I didn't really like that. I mean, I, I still have a problem with Lashley even dropping the title because the guy was, I get the fact that MVP's out of the picture, and maybe they they took it away because of that, and they don't think that he can stand on his own. But now, you know, to spoil for uh, Monday night, now the, uh, you know, he's got the hurt business back in the picture, which is great. Right. And and so I, but then I do see where you know now he's going to move on to Goldberg, and mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's you know I'm, I'm, I know I'm jumping way ahead here is that maybe Gold you know he want they want Goldberg to go over Lashley. And, you know, for revenge for choking out his son. Right. And they, they want that without him dropping the, the belt. And maybe once that gets over with, maybe he gets back in the title picture. But I I mean, the match itself, I, I enjoyed it. I have made some, uh, Omos, I think, has made a nice improvement. Uh, he kind of just making some progress. Uh, I like his facial expressions. He really, you know, he sells being the monster heel yeah. very, very well. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he executed a couple of moves and they weren't that bad. I mean, he's definitely not Giant Gonzalez. You know, Lashley really brought it in terms of intensity. The fans, <clears throat> like you said, the fans are really into the match. Yes, and did you notice 
the the pot that Omos got the the hot tag pop when he came in. The crowd loves him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and the one the one negative thing usually on these six man matches is that you know people like, like kind of in a, a three way with the MIAs. Yeah. And there there was a little bit of that, but not enough to me that it spoiled it. Right, and, but I like you told the story with Lashley. You know, then them taking the uh, taking the the new day out, so there was no one to make tags. Uh, that I don't mind. It's in the in the triple threats when you take a a generic back body drop and then roll out to the floor for five minutes. That right. that's a problem. But no, I thought this was okay. Um, moving on, however, to the the next match was for the SmackDown tag titles. Oh, and by the way. Um, this doesn't count towards our predictions because neither of us knew it would happen. It was going to happen. But uh, moving on, the Smack SmackDown tag titles, the Usos defending against the Street Profits. You and I both uh, predicted the Usos were going to re- uh, retain. Uh, they did. I thought this match, to, for me, I went into it thinking it was going to be one of two things. It was going to be the match of the night because these guys can both have great tag matches. But I also thought, hey, going in, this um, this could be a hundred super kicks and ridiculous flips and high five spots that people are kicking out of. And thankfully, it was neither. It was a good blend of both. I thought it was just a good tag match across the board. Um, I did like that uh, the hot tag they had towards the middle. Uh, Dawkins getting the hot tag and he went on the typical hot tag run. You know, the Usos were standing up one at a time, bam, bam, knocking them over. That's the kind of stuff that comes with experience. The Usos are a good tag team Um, being, being related to the top of the card. Obviously neither of them being punished for their extracurricular activities, but yeah. And then you, you made the save. They had the double super kick spot that the Usos like doing. So now you've got the Usos on you. You have, three of your four mo- biggest tag teams in wrestling today do a double super kick spot. So that's fun. Uh, Cause you know me, how much I love the overused super kick, but back to, uh, back to the subject at hand. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. They, 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 the double super kick that was to save the double splash. I, I do like that move. And, and let's be honest, Benny putting uh, hitting a good double splash takes coordination. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah, the Usos there they are a good talent and so are the Street Profits. I I think this ends it. I honestly think this uh this is just getting off topic for a second, but I think one of these two teams is gone come draft time. Um so be interesting to see. But yeah, I thought it was okay. B B B match. What do you think? Yeah, no, I liked it. I, I like the fact that they they worked the body part. They you know, they worked the ribs of, of Montez Ford. You know, old school. You you work that you know that right. you come in with the, the the tape on the ribs, and that's the first thing you do. And they consistently work that body part. And you know, it, you know, credit to Montez Ford, solely injury very well. I thought yeah. he did. Um, I I agree with you. I think they're going to split up the street profits because I think they have designs on uh, Montez Ford. Maybe as a solo. I, I can't see them splitting up I the could, Usos. I could see that. Yeah. And you know, Montez Ford in in. Real life, uh, obviously, in a relationship with uh, <clears throat> with uh, Bianca Belair, and the WWE, they had a a good run for a while where they liked to split up couples, both on separate shows and intentionally on camera. Um, Rusev and Lana being probably the most obvious, most gro- uh, grossly obvious example of that. But in recent years, 
Um, going back maybe two, maybe three drafts or superstar shakeups, I think they were called back then. Um, they've done a good job keeping people together. So I think if they split the street profits, uh, the he and he and Bianca will go together. I think she'll go to Raw. She's she's done all she can on SmackDown anyway. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. And then you know who knows? I hope they don't break them up. They're a good team, and we saw. What you know, WWE loves their quick breakups that go nowhere. You know, I'm still I'm still waiting to see what they do with uh, Tucker as a heel after he turned on Otis, which was nothing. But um, you know yeah, that, we'll that really uh, um, you know you just remind me though that there are actually if I'm doing it, saying this right, there are three couples on SmackDown. You got you got Becky and Seth. Mm-hmm. You have you know you have Montez Ford and you have Bianca. Yep. And then you have Naomi and uh, which Uso is it? Jay Uso? You know, I, I don't Uso's? remember off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. I, nor, nor I do I. But... I think it's Jimmy, honestly. Yeah. But um, yeah. And, and if you notice, uh, uh, when Seth Rollins moved to SmackDown while Becky Lynch was gone, when she came back, she came back to SmackDown instead right. of going back to Raw where she had come, come from when she, when she uh, stepped down. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Now, speaking of women's wrestling, the next match was the one you and I we 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 predicted Charlotte would keep the belt, but you all we you and I both said it was also the match we were looking forward to the least. Um, the the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte defending against Alexa Bliss. This match was more competitive than I thought it would be, but it was kind of drab. They they didn't really do too much of the hokey stuff until after the match was over. Uh, Charlotte wins. Really, no shock there. Uh, Alexa Bliss looked okay. She does. She doesn't look. She didn't look strong and cred- terribly against Flair. But the main story here was after the match, uh, Flair tore up uh, the Lily doll. Lily. Shred, you know, and which I, you know me, Benny. You and I, I think we both hate that doll. But uh, don't say that then, too loud. Right, yeah, she's behind me. That might be no. that, that might be who's knocking on your door over there. Oh no. But uh yeah, so Flair tears up the doll. Uh Alexa Bliss has the moment where she she freaks out and the doll is clearly upset. Um several people pointed out there was a I guess supposed to be a spot where Alexa foamed at the mouth. Um you can actually see when she's when she's gathering up the, the all the parts, she she has a, a tablet that she puts in her mouth. Like out the cell, so apparently, but it didn't work. Yeah. So she just kind of spit normally, and it just didn't. You could see like it was something it was supposed to be a bigger spot, but right. it's it, it's it's silly. Um, hopefully, this is the end of the Lily gimmick, or at least the Lily involvement with Alexa Bliss. Maybe move her to SmackDown and give her a new evil persona or at least tweak it a little bit maybe they're trying with uh rumors that bray wyatt's going to show up on AEW any day now they're trying to purge the last imagery of the fiend i don't know what do you think benny uh you know i think like the so the match itself was, was a good technical match my only problem is you know the whole suspension of disbelief Charlotte Flair is, you know, like her or not, she's she's a stud. She's, you know, she's a, a, a Clydesdale from the Budweiser commercial. And right. Alexa's My Little Pony. And, you know, it's kind of like watching National at one of the, the, you know, the Animal Planet shows. And you see a, a lion chasing a zebra. And then you, you they go to commercial. And then, you know, after that, the zebra's on top of the lion. It just, it's not believable. 
So I, yeah. I really, I had, a, I mean, as athletic and talented as Alexa is, it's just very hard to, you know, to, to really get her, you know, yeah, holding I mean, her own against Charlotte. I mean, but all that being said, I think they did a pretty good job. I think both of them have excellent facial expressions. You know, Charlotte alternated between uh, arrogance and confidence and then right. frustration when she couldn't, you know, when she couldn't get the uh, the pin. And, you know, Alexa just psycho there. Um, and there was a spot when I, they called it a sunset bomb. I uh, To me, it was just, you know, a Canadian destroyer that Alexis hit on uh, Charlotte. And I thought that was going to be it. And, I, I mean, that was a nice spot. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ending as far as you know, throwing Lily at uh, Alexa and then using that as a distraction. And I loved, I loved the, the crowd. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> they were they were marking out for Lily at the end. Of the yeah, match. well, they they were chanting the way the crowd would if someone re- like announced their retirement match. You know, I really do think that you know because at the end of the match, after she lost, she ripped out one of her, uh, I guess, her hair braids. Uh, Alexa, I yeah. I think this is the end of the character. I think she's going to come back as Alexa Bliss. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they they've got to start. They got to do something to keep interest. And the her her the whole fiend, what uh, the way it ended and evolving into Alexa, I just thought was rough. But moving from the bad to the better, uh, this was this next match was actually my favorite of the night. It was certainly the crowd's favorite. And we'll get into that in a second. But you had the United States Championship triple threat between Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Jeff Hardy. Now, Jeff Hardy was added to the match on Raw uh, after he beat Sheamus and made it a triple threat. And holy crap, Benny, Jeff Hardy was the most over person on this entire show. This was, crowd yes. ate up everything he did. They cheered their heads off. for. They popped for every spot he had. Um, I This match was incredible as far as triple threats go because like you said you know you have the 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 lay down spots where two people get their stuff in they did a little bit of that but they did it with such timing where you know Sheamus hits the kick and then Jeff Hardy jumps in from out of camera to break up the pinfall or Sheamus pulls his leg at the last second they they did some really good moments these guys have great chemistry all three of them both as individual pairs and as a trio um, I thought it was great. I, the the spot towards the end when Hardy used the swanton to break up the pin, yes. uh, I thought that was incredible. And that shows even as he gets older and less high flyy, Jeff Hardy can still that distance and the rotation he had was great. Um, obviously, you you had uh, uh, big big hits. Sheamus with the kick, Jeff Hardy uh, with the the twist of fate. Um, I, I liked it all. I even. I'm not mad that it ended with a roll up. You know, we always talk about the roll up of Doom being School, the deadliest. Boy. Yeah, the deadly the deadliest move in wrestling. But I thought in this case it fit perfectly and more importantly was the only one on the show. Cuz how many how many times have we talked about a pay-per-view or a raw or something where two or three matches end with a surprise roll up in the schoolboy, you know? Um but obviously, Damian Priest rolled up Sheamus and kept the title. You and I said that that was going to happen. It's, it's the right move. Damian Priest is is he's he's going to be heavyweight champion one day. Absolutely. Um, but and the other thing too, I talked about it with uh, when we talked about it with Sting. Damian Priest is presented as the young up and comer, and he is by no means a young up and comer. Um, I mean, he, the, I like the way they're booking him, and he looks strong, and 
it's it, it's one of those things where you build the character and you don't realize that you know he just we're recording this on the 29th Damian Priest turned 39 this week you know he'll be 40 he'll be if he ends up as champion he'll be in his 40s when he wins his first title his first heavyweight title and at no point watching this match did I think Hey, this guy is 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 you know at thirty nine. I mean, we yeah. say at 40, 40 is the new thirty in wrestling, you know. But I mean, you had Jeff Hardy and you had Sheamus in this match, and you know Jeff Hardy is is in his forties and 40, 44 maybe forty four. Yes, that's absolutely right. And uh, Sheamus is forty three. So you know, here's two grizzled veterans. And the young up and coming Damian Priest, and Damian Priest is four years younger than Sheamus. I would have, I would have thought ten years. You know, I, I think it's incredible the way they're booking him. It's nice to see a strong champion. Uh, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy both look incredible in defeat. Obviously, like I said, Jeff Hardy, the crowd loved him. Hopefully, this means more good things and less twenty four seven title chases. Um, but I, I thought this was my opinion was match of the night. I enjoyed it. Uh, what do you tell me? I'm wrong. No, you're not. Definitely my favorite match of the night. And, and you know, my note, I I was very pleasantly surprised that Jeff Hardy got the reaction. It was just nice. It was. And, and the guy can the guy can still do it. I mean, you know, he's you know, he's older, but he, he can still bring it. I I have a note here. Seamus, I think he gets better and better. Just the, I think he he was the ring general for that match. And yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of three-way matches, but for a three-way match, that's one of the better ones I've ever seen. It just—it was very fluid. I mean, they—they they were all, you know, they were all going at it. You didn't have the, you know, the 15-minute coma there. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you did have that occasionally, but it—it it wasn't to the point of like, where the hell is this guy? It was—it was very well done. And right. I mean, I made a note here. You got the Cloverleaf, the Twist of Fate, Whisper in the Wind, Brogue, White Noise, Irish cur- Curse Backbreaker, and the Swanton. And then, like you said, it, it kind of fit with the Schoolboy. Yeah, it really yeah, did. It, and it worked. You, I, I almost forgot to mention because I made a note of it. You talked about the the clover leaf, the spot where Sheamus had the clover leaf on Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Hardy crawled to the ropes only for the ref to be like, uh, not you know, no no rope break, you know. Um, and the announcers, I give them credit because how many times have we been critical of how terrible WWE's announcers are? Um, that that they the way they sold it and explained it like he's trying to crawl the ropes well that doesn't mean anything in a triple threat match because I remember the K was it the 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 cage match between I think it was it was um, Shane McMahon I want to say it was his cage match against uh, the Miz where he crawled to the ropes and when when he was in the figure four. And the ref broke the made him broke the hold, and even the announcers were like, "I didn't think there was rope breaks in a in a cage match," and it really it kind of killed the flow of the match. I like that they stuck to the rules; they're doing a good job with that. I like it. Uh, moving on to another match that I was kind of looking forward to, but wasn't sure how to handle um, because I I, I could could have seen it going a hundred different ways. Was the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair now? Benny, what were your thoughts on this one, especially the ending? You know, I really don't know how to take that ending. I mean, I I did expect I expected Becky to retain. I never thought that there was going to be a you know an interference in this thing. I mean, the match itself up till then I thought was very good. Um, 
my note is Bianca is an amazing athlete. I mean, she's definitely the real deal. It's not going to be one of these cases like a Carmella or a Naomi where they have the championship and then they just go to the back of the line. I think, you know, even though she's no longer the champion, I think she stays in the picture. She's just too good. And I, I really felt like I mean, Becky had to work very hard just to keep up with her. And she just, you know, she she went a mile a minute. And I don't know if maybe it's Becky, you know, having a little bit of ring rust from from you know being being out for a while. But right. she just, I mean, Bianca was nonstop, and I really felt like Becky was working to keep up. But yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I get Sasha interfering. She's back in the picture now. You know, she clean house now. Now they got the three of them feuding. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I mean, all in all, I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I I like. I'll be honest with you. I, the the disqualification finishes tend to be cheap, and they tend to feel cheap. Uh, in this case, I don't I don't feel that way because I see why they're doing it. One to build the story, like you said, with the triple threat. But the other side being Bianca lost her title to, to Becky in a few seconds. One move, one cheap shot, one slam, one two three. You and I both hated that. Uh, Bianca could not clean dirty or otherwise she could not take a loss in this match i I, you had to i mean maybe not win but they they did something where she didn't leave looking weak and becky couldn't take a loss in her first full match and i say full match because that last one didn't really count in her first full match back you don't have her take the loss either and since they obviously didn't have the time or the plan to have these two go to a say a, a draw 20 minutes or whatever it was Having the interference is great, and it's nice to see a second person because you're right. Bianca Belair, I 100% agree she's going to stay in the title picture. However, who else is there? There is no one else on SmackDown who is even anywhere close to the to the main event scene. Right. Between Carmella and, uh, like I said, I mean, Liv Morgan is, is kind of working her way up, you know, but, but Carmella and Zelina Vega are in no way credible. Um, so yeah, they, they got to give Becky somebody and, and, and somebody to kind of see, you can't have Bianca and Becky wrestle every week. So I like, I like mixing it up a little bit. I think it's good. Um, and if one of the three of them happens to move to raw, you still have a fresh feud there. Right. But, um, moving on to the, the only extreme rules match of the extreme rules pay-per-view. Now I will say. Some people are arguing, and we had this talk, um, that the Extreme Rules pay-per-view is – it's like Hell in a Cell or, uh, you know, it, where – or the Royal Rumble. It's, it's a gimmick pay-per-view. You only want one or two main event matches to be in the cell, to be, you know, the Rumble, to be, uh, you know, the TLC match, right? To be the money in the bank. You, you, you're not going to have every match be in the cell – at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I get that. The problem is this Extreme Rules pay-per-view evolved from the old one-night stand ECW pay-per-views where everything went to trying to get the ECW feel. So, yeah, the Extreme Rules pay-per-view was designed for every match to be a no-holds-barred Extreme Rules match. To have, especially when you have uh, Sheamus and... Damian Priest, and you have Bianca and and Becky 
you have the the Street Profits and the Usos. There were matches on this card that were blood feud grudge matches that would have been perfect to have Extreme Rules stipulations on. You know, how much did did, did Becky and Bianca just want to beat the crap out of each other with chairs exactly. or whatever they could get their hands? That, you know, you to only have the main event match be Extreme Rules, I felt just so weak in the show. And speaking of weak, this match, I've said it for months, heel Roman Reigns, uh, head of the table, big dog, Tribal Chief with Paul with Paul Heyman in his corner is the best character WWE has had in years. Period. Not just best heel, best character. Period. I would argue since I loved heel Daniel Bryan, the uh, the eco the eco warrior from a few years back, and uh, obviously the, the CM Punk gimmick. Uh, I think both come to mind. But this is just phenomenal. And and obviously Finn Balor. I mean everything he does looks great. And the demon is just such a cool and fun character to watch, which which is really what breaks my heart that these two had such a I don't even know what to make of this match. I, maybe I'm just so spoiled by the ending and the crazy, goofy shit that happens. Uh, excuse me, goofy stuff that happens. But I mean, you have it's it, it's it's weird because you've got the heel tribal chief you know, uh, head of the table villain, and you're going to beat him with a demon, like the demon, a character named the demon is supposed to be your saving hero. Like, it just didn't feel right from just a purely character storm. Not saying the demon should be a heel, but maybe not the conquering babyface hero, you know? Right. But, I mean, these guys, you know, kendo sticks. I, I will admit I did like the spot where Roman Reigns grabbed the kendo stick. And then Finn Balor went and grabbed that bundle of kendo sticks. The, the, the four big, pack, yeah. Yeah, the big goofy kendo stick. And I thought that was funny. Dollar General, yeah. Yeah, now, now I'm usually not a fan of the crazy stuff. Because I've said it before, Benny, and tell me I'm wrong on this one. But there's a certain... You, you mentioned it earlier. You talked about suspension of disbelief. There's a certain aura of realism that comes with wrestling. And... You know, when you reach under the ring and you pull out a chair, okay, everyone knows that's where you're going to put the extra folding chairs under the ring because you got to, you know, the security and some of the people that will sit at ringside. You know, maybe let's go back to the old, like, you know, Ron, Ronnie Garvin and Dusty Rhodes days where I'm going to reach under there and pull out the toolbox. I'm going to hit you with a wrench or I'm going to hit you with a hammer. There's going to be a toolbox under the ring because you put, hey, the, ring together, put the ring together, exactly. right? But when you reach under the ring and there's a trash can full of kendo sticks or a shopping cart with two stop signs. Yeah, like who left that there? <laughs> yeah, like like you you or you put that stuff there where it's like, wait a minute, this you know, this is silly. Like like it you might not realize it, but your brain tells you, hang on, something doesn't feel right about what I'm seeing right now. It's like watching a movie and the the you know, you, you, a sci-fi or fantasy film where somebody does something and you're and it's like wait a minute you can't tell why it doesn't feel right but it just doesn't feel right because right. your suspension of disbelief is broken um and, and of course then here's Finn Balor and he pulls out those kendo sticks so now what I guess he prepped did he did he tape those together and put them under the ring this morning like you know it, it it's I, I hate that kind of stuff. And he must they, have did it before Roman came I, to the ring because Roman would have right, found him. Exactly. And I now I liked that spot for what it was as far as ha ha, that's funny. But as from a wrestling fan standpoint, I hate that kind of stuff. 
Um, but apparently, I mean, how many how many years now? At least what fifteen or twenty years? A, a basket full of kendo sticks is under the ring at every show I've been to. I've been to I've I've been to indie shows with a crowd of fifty where there's kendo sticks under the ring, like. You know, but whatever. But moving on, um, this was a good back and forth as far as the the wrestling goes. Um, I will say one spot that just absolutely, I absolutely, absolutely loved. They brawled into the crowd, and Roman Reigns knocks Finn Balor into the crowd, and then stops to put a mask on <laughs> before he goes into the crowd. Now that was two things. That is heel Roman Reigns. You know. I'm so much better than you dirty, disgusting people. I'm going to put a mask on before I get near the peasants. Plus, that's Roman Reigns, the the real-life leukemia survivor, who's probably immunocompromised, putting a mask on before he gets near strangers, who statistics have shown the the percentage of vaccines among wrestling fans is not as high as it should be um, for at least a public venue like that. But I thought that was great. It was practical, but it also so well fit the character. That was, I would argue that was my favorite moment from that match because it was just, it was so perfect to I'm better than you head of the table Roman Reigns when he put the mask on and then they brawled into the crowd. Um, but before we get too far to the ending, what were your thoughts up to that point, Benny? I totally agree with you on the mask. I just like, holy crap, that that's good on every level, you know? And same kind of thing, like, you know, too much, you know, the, the kendo sticks and everything else. Um, it, it, I, I think they could have done more wrestling. But, of course, it, you know, there was no Extreme Rules matches. So, you, I guess you got to give the crowd some Extreme Rules wrestling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at no point, I knew that I knew I knew the outcome. I knew that there was no way Finn Balor was going to win. Right. But I mean, even but given that, though, I think he did a pretty good job of making me think, eh, you know, maybe maybe I missed something here. Yeah. Now, this uh, at this point, I 100 percent agree. It was a good brawl. It was fun for some of the match, uh, some of the, the actual wrestling spots. But then things took a weird turn. Now, you had uh, some good back and forth. Uh, Superman punch, kick out, sling blade, kick out. Um, then. A uh, couple, couple of low blows back and forth. The uh, Finn Balor did the spot where he he kicked out, and while raising the shoulder, he hit Roman Reigns with a low blow. The which nut is shot kick out exactly, which is something Roman's done before. So I thought turnabout fair play there. I and like Roman that. sold the hell out of that nut shot. Oh yeah, he did. Out. Yeah, he did. Finn Balor, Finn Balor, hit, you know, punt, hit hit hit. Uh, those are in his stomach right now. Yeah, but then of course you know Finn Balor gets up. He hits the he hits the coup de gras. But then what happens? Well, exactly what we both said was going to happen. Here come the Usos. They drag Finn Balor out. Super kicks. Finn Balor tries to fight him off. He does. Eventually, Roman Reigns knocks him through the barricade. And then uh, the powers of the of the Alexa Bliss lost earlier in the night have transformed to the demon. The lights go red. The heartbeat sound. The, the music. And Finn Balor starts no-selling. Demon is always here. He's just li- beating the living crap out of anything that moves. Um, I mean, it was just, it was outstanding. Uh, the way he was booked to look like a monster. That was very much Undertaker sit up, you know, Hulk Hogan just hulked up kind of moment. I could do without the red lighting. That was very fiendish. Um, but then 
I I'm still trying to wrap my head around what they were going for here, but you had Finn Balor climb to the top rope. He's going to hit the coup de gras and the top rope breaks and the lights go, go normal, right? Like his power ended or maybe, maybe in revenge for his loss in that tag match with Shawn Michaels, God finally interfered. I I'm dumbfounded what they were trying to do there, but I thought that ending was, was terrible because he falls from the ropes. He's powerless. Now the lights are back on (coughs) Roman pins him. And geez, that ending was terrible. Now, up to that point, I would have given the match a B. Romans had better, and so has Finn. Uh, They were, I think, hindered by the fact that they had to shoehorn in every uh, hardcore spot they could because they were the only match on the card. But that ending, Benny, what was with that ending? I think I heard Nancy Kerrigan. I think she was in the first row because I heard somebody say, why, why? So... Yeah, well, that was ridiculous. Why, why did they do that? That 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 was crazy. I mean, do you want to? Why couldn't that have been a clean ending? What would have been? I guess the maybe you killed a demon off, and now maybe there's a reason why you know he still lost as Finn Balor and not the demon. Are uh, they going yeah. for that? I mean, and then you know you see Roman Reigns looking up to the heavens, like you know, God, did you do this? So I don't know. I mean, they didn't do a very good job with it at all. I guess we'll find out more. Or not. <laughs> we'll yeah, I mean, like I said, we're recording this show before uh, before Friday, so SmackDown hasn't had a follow-up. Um, now, I will say, I hope they explain it, and I hope it's not something hokey, like Paul Heyman prayed really hard or something like that. Uh, I, j- I don't know what to make of this. Um, it certainly, to me, feels like the end it's weird because it felt like it felt very unfulfilled, but at the same time, this felt like the end of this feud. Like they're done with Finn Balor. Roman Reigns beat him with the help of God or whatever. So, okay, moving on. Um, but then Benny, I got to thinking and and I, I hope I'm wrong here. Certainly seems like they're saving Roman Reigns to lose the title in Saudi Arabia to Brock Lesnar. You or know what's going to happen. At Absolutely. least lose lose the match because you figure in Saudi Arabia we've seen the the Lesnar match, we've seen Goldberg beat the Fiend, um, and how I mean we've seen some unnecessary title changes in Saudi Arabia. The WWE wants that Saudi money, the sports Saudi Sports Authority throwing a lot of money their way. It certainly seems like Brock Lesnar is going to win the title or at least come out on top somehow Roman Reigns will finally fall and it'll be in Saudi Arabia at a pay-per-view that some people are not going to watch because of the bad blood. I, I I would be shocked if Brock came out of that without the title, I think. And it's a shame because like this has been, uh, to me, this has been the best title reign in the last, what, like 20 years, 25 years? Maybe. I, yeah, go, I would say going back to the early... Maybe, honestly, the the uh, early days of ruthless aggression when the attitude era was fading, and you had some of the, you know, the the, the last run with the Rock or uh, the the Triple H run that Batista finally ended. I thought that was a great storyline. Um, but yeah, this is easily ten plus years the best title reign. I would I say think, going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, was, I think, you know, I don't know. I forgot how long uh, CM Punk's reign was. I know it was 400 plus days, but yeah. I think this is a far better title it, reign. It's, it's, I, I think Punk's reign was great. I think this is the best run since then. Um, but I will say that Roman Reigns has been booked to look like a, like a monster. Right. CM Punk took the back seat to several feuds while he was champion, including the end when his title reign finally ended when he lost it to The Rock. Where uh, you know, he, CM Punk became the third wheel, and his title reign was the was the the barrier between The Rock and Cena. Right, and you know CM Punk kind of kind of like with the, with the Miz, but I think I think it's it's it certainly seems that way. So hopefully we're wrong. Um, plenty of good plenty of good ways to go. You've got the uh, the, the draft coming up, which. I'm kind of torn on that. Uh, always have been, but the draft has usually brought some good moments um, with people jumping shows. Uh, I remember when uh, John Cena was drafted to Raw, and during I think it was the first draft or the, no, no, the first draft. It would have been the, the second one um, where they had a match on SmackDown to determine the SmackDown champion, and JBL wins, and he's on his knees and exhausted, and Teddy Long comes out. And he's he's got a belt, you know, he's got the belt in the in the in the 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 velour bag, and he says, you know, JBL. He goes, good news, bad news, player. He said, bad news is you are not the SmackDown champion. We don't need one because of the final draft pick and he and Batista and the world title is on SmackDown. I thought that moment was great. Um, the couple years after when when the fir- very first pick of the night was John Cena getting drafted from Raw to SmackDown and then the very last pick of the night was John Cena getting drafted from SmackDown to Raw like you have moments like that that are just stupid um uh, the very first one where they built up uh you know the Rock and Hogan and Kurt Angle on SmackDown where whereas Raw you started seeing like Kane and the NWO and Austin you know some of those some of those sides um it can always be good. It can always be bad. Um, there's some dead mixes. And we talked uh, the last couple of shows that we've talked about pay-per-views. We've said certain things are starting to feel stale. So it's it's going to be good to mix the roster up. And, and, you know, the ratings aren't exactly stellar right now. So, you know, what better to boost the ratings right. than, you know, mixing things up a little bit. And, and you know, with with the, the way SmackDown's been going versus Raw, you have to wonder if there's some people on Raw that aren't, aren't trying to pull in a favor to like send me to SmackDown. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting over here twiddling my thumbs for three hours. I would have guessed Drew McIntyre and and who knows, maybe he will, well, but well, there, there, there is a rumor going around that McIntyre is going to SmackDown. And part of that is, uh, some ticket sales. Apparently there was a graphic for, uh, some sh- a SmackDown later in the year, and the advertisement had Drew McIntyre as one of the stars scheduled to appear. So I don't know if that's if that was a typo, but a lot of people have jumped on that because they they the same thing happened last year where or excuse me uh, the year before the pre COVID draft where some of the some of the advertisements for the post draft shows ruined who was getting moved. Um, at least they're going to tell people. If you remember, I don't know uh, how involved you were back then um, when when they they drafted, they kicked Jim Ross off Raw and moved him to SmackDown. 
and he, they didn't tell him it was going to happen. So his reaction of confusion and disgust was genuine. Was, was real. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like Mike. And then they drafted Michael Cole from SmackDown to Raw. And you saw my and Michael. They didn't tell him either. So you could tell Michael Cole was like, uh, "Jr. I'm so sorry." And and it was you know it was it was pretty bad. Like at least now they're they're they kind of have a plan in place. But you know Vince. I, he had he had that whole uh, he had that whole uh, for lack of a better term that 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 boner he would get for screwing with Jim Ross so right but what do you think Benny pretty good pretty good week in wrestling uh, other than the obvious crap that we talked well, about yeah I mean I mean at my age four four hours is pretty I mean that's close to my life expectancy so uh, it was it wasn't terrible. I mean, I've seen worse, but I've seen I've also seen a lot better. But you know, the the fact that you have a, another player on the horizon who genuinely seems, uh, you know, I, I mean, can they compete with the WWE financially? Probably not yet. But I mean, you know, they don't have the you know the, the lucrative contracts. But in terms of like quality, uh, I think they're you know they're neck and neck right now. And I, people, I mean, some legitimate wrestling fans like Mikey, I mean, you know, really have gravitated towards AEW and he's not the only one. I mean, see, I see yeah. more and more of it. Well, so, and we've, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead. No, I, I'm, I'm done. Well, I was going to say, and we've seen it just in talks on the Dan and Benny page. Um, people who kind of gave up on, on modern wrestling have started to, I mean, AEW is not going to get back to the, you know, 8 million a week, but, you know, you've got some people who have not watched a an evening cable wrestling show in years that are tuning in to, to TNT now. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. But I it, like it's it. a it's a good thing. I mean, you have yeah. you know you have competition, which competition is always good, and you have I mean, like I said, they are genuine. They seem genuinely intent on producing a quality product. They really do. And that show I talked about with Omega and Dan and Danielson. Um, you didn't have the dark order. You didn't have the crazy money stuff that Matt Hardy is doing. You didn't have any of the goofy, just over the top goofy stuff that AW has, has produced some of some, let me rephrase that some of what they've put on TV. They, they really made a point that look, we have, if we, and, and, and it, I hate to say it, but it was kind of an, if we want to look at how good we can be. Right. You know, you can have top to bottom and, and and you got two hours on Wednesdays and two and one hour on Fridays, which is good amount of, sh- of wrestling. You don't That's need good. five hours a week, six hours a week, but you can put some quality matches together and you've still got your MJFs and your Brian Pillman Jr., who, by the way, those two had a great match. Um you know, you've got some young up and coming talent. You've got some good veterans like your your obviously your 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 Bryans and your punks and even Sting apparently that still has clearly some good years left. Um hell, their last pay-per-view, Paul White had a had a fun little match where he, you know, took out who he had to. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. It's been a long time since I've been excited to see what the future holds for something outside of the obvious. And I, I like it. And even, I mean, the NWA is doing good things. I'm a huge Trevor Murdoch fan, so I like what's going on over there. 
uh, especially now with their the women's pay per view they just held, and some of the some of the smaller shows, like I said on Fight TV, like our our friends over at Devotion uh, with Tombstone Jesus and, and those guys. But it's uh, it, it's a good time to be a fan, and it's it was a good week. Other than the obvious, it was a good week in wrestling, and I hope to have more 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 like it. Absolutely. So as we wrap up tonight, Benny, any final thoughts? Well, I, I did want to. You mentioned the you know the, the Facebook page. I believe we're up to nine hundred and sixty four folks. Uh, so I wanted to thank everybody for joining. Uh, if you have some wrestling buddies, you know, ha- have them uh, sign up as well. I'm just I'm, I'm always amazed because you know anybody who goes through Facebook, you know, I pretty much I withdrew from every baseball page, and I'm a huge baseball fan, you know, Yankee fan, and but baseball fan as well, and. You could not go to any page and you, you post anything. You post about Derek Jeter and there's a jihad within like three or four posts, you know, like he overrated. Yeah. And, you know, the people who liked him, you know, it's a civil war. And um, and most wrestling pages are just like that. But I have to I take a lot of pride. You know, we, I think we've done a, and it's more of a tribute to the folks on the page. But people post really good content and, you know, people for the most part, I mean, had a couple of exceptions, but pe- for the most part, people respectfully disagree. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you mentioned the exceptions. We had the recent issue with the post uh, that kind of went off the rails a little bit with uh, Ric Flair, who has made no new fans recently and even lost a significant number of them, including sponsorships. Um, but when you, when you explained to everybody why we kind of, took that away and went in a different direction. People understood. And we went right back to being mature, responsible conversations. And and I I like it. I really do. It's good to see. Um, Plus it's also the crowd. It's not just the fans, but I mean, I posted uh, digging through some old memories. I found that picture of myself and Ivan Koloff. When I ran into him uh, in town here, setting up for the convention and his wife posted about how she how touched she was and, and how much he loved the fans. And we've got family members and we've got active uh, people from the page and we post interviews and the people we interview are active on our page. It's it's a good interaction. And you wouldn't see that if we had a, a less than stellar crowd. The brigade is a good group of people. No, it's very, it's very enjoyable. I mean, like it's it's a legit facebook wrestling page with a lot of good content and you know a lot of folks post their own you know they promote their own stuff if they're you know if they're a wrestler they, you know we even if they have a podcast you know the more the merrier you're Absolutely. welcome to you know you're welcome to uh as long as it's about wrestling i think one person had a an infomercial about healing rocks and uh, yeah we a- well and and of course we're you know one of the friends of the show is uh mike messier and he's just incapable of existing without self-promotion. So it's always good to see those ads, which by the way, uh, I, I recommend checking out his Facebook or excuse me, his YouTube page for, if you want to see some good wrestling rants. Uh, so always tell you, whenever you say self-promotion, we always know who we're talking about. And one day I will be on a Mike's meals episode. There you go. You guys are going to have to go to the best restaurants in Florida and catch up to that stuff. Absolutely. So, um, I was, again, like I said, as we wrap up a uh, great week in wrestling, I'm glad to see it. Uh, I hope for more. So for the BS express himself, uh, I'm Dan Spash channel. Have a good night, everyone. And as always happy wrestling. Good night folks and stay safe.